How's it going, everybody? You're listening to The Raven's Growth. I'm your host, Dahi, and this is a very special episode for me. You see, this is the first episode of our newest segment, Tales of the Unexplained, where I'll be talking about some of the aliens, spirits, semi-mythical creatures, and various other entities and occurrences that tend to go bump in the night. I've been looking forward to telling you all about these for a long time, and today we're going to be discussing cryptids. More specifically, we're going to be just taking a look at three of the most popular cryptids of the modern day, Bigfoot, El Chupacabra, and the Loch Ness Monster. Now, a, quick, a few quick disclaimers before I begin. First off, this series is comprised of folklore and urban legends. The very existence of these creatures or beings featured in these episodes are, as of this recording, currently unconfirmed by the scientific community at large. As such, any and all opinions I may reach in this segment are mine and mine alone, unless explicitly stated otherwise. It's quite possible you may have heard different versions of these legends and stories I may retell in this series. So if you feel that the version you have heard or maybe even have experienced is different to the one I tell, please just bear in mind that I'm I'm just a storyteller. I will try and cross-reference the different versions of the legends and stories, so if I miss out on a detail that you think is crucial, that is entirely on me. Also, this episode of The Raven's Grove features the following trigger warnings. Body harm mentions... Physical combat-related bodily trauma mentions, animal predatory behavior mentions, being hunted mentions, urban legends, folklore, and potentially frightening stories. So if any of those are in any way an issue for you, please give this series a miss. Alright, now that that's out of the way, let's let's talk cryptids. So to get the ball rolling, let's define what a cryptid actually is. According to Webster's Dictionary, a cryptid is, and I'm quoting in here, an animal that has been claimed to exist but never proven to exist, end quote. This, there are, this means that there are a huge number of cryptids in folklore from around the world. These include, but are not limited to, such beings as La Llorona in, in Latin America, the Wendigo and the Skinwalker in Native American cultures, the Jersey Devil and Mothman in contemporary North America, the Kappa in Japan, the Aswang in the Philippines, the Yowie and the Bunyip in Australia, the list goes on and on. And don't worry, all of those ones I just mentioned and more will be featured in future episodes of, the Unex- of Tales of the Unexplained. But the point I'm making is, each culture on Earth has their own cryptids in their folklore. The study of cryptids is known as cryptozoology, and despite being classified as a pseudoscience and ridiculed by the scientific community at large, there are a lot of people around my around the world, myself included, who are convinced that there are cryptids out there. Alright, so now that we've defined what a cryptid is and what cryptozoology is, let's talk about three of the most famous cryptids on the planet. Bigfoot, El Chupacabra, and the Loch Ness Monster. So the first cryptid on our list is Bigfoot. Bigfoot, also known as the Sasquatch, is said to be a gigantic bipedal hominoid creature that lives in the temperate rainforest of the Pacific region of the US and the west of Canada. Reports of similar creatures include the Yowie in Australia and the Yeti in the Himalayas, and the common description in Bigfoot goes something a little like this. A creature that looks like a hybrid between an ape and a human, standing at between 1.8 and 2.7 meters, which is 6 to 9 feet in height, on average. Though some reports claim that Bigfoot can grow up to 3 to 4.6 meters, which is 10 to 15 feet, usually covered in black, dark brown, or reddish hair. Some reports claim that Bigfoot has a more so-called human face, but none of these claims have actually been scientifically verified. 
Common physical features found of Bigfoot found in most, if not nearly all of the sightings, include broad shoulders, very small, if no, visible neck, and very long arms. Now for the reason why it's called this. The exceptionally large feet that give Bigfoot its name have been claimed to be as large as 61 centimeters, which is 24 inches in length, and 20 centimeters or 8 inches wide. For reference, the average male shoe size in Australia and the US is between size 9 and size 12. This equates to a size 9 being roughly 260 millimeters, roughly 10 and 3rd inches, and size 12 being roughly 290 millimeters, roughly about 1 and 3rd inches. Now this means that the feet of a Bigfoot are roughly around three times larger than that of a fully grown human adult male. In addition, according to Michael Rugg, the owner of the Bigfoot Discovery Museum in Northern California, Bigfoot stinks. He actually is quoted as saying, imagine a skunk that rolled around in dead animals and then hung out in garbage pits, end quote. Now, this last detail about Bigfoot having a pre-horrific stench isn't just restricted to the American Bigfoot. A similar, very appallingly bad stench has been claimed to be an indicator of the presence or tracks of the Australian Yowie. Now, like I said earlier, the Yowie is the Australian version of the Bigfoot. And don't worry, I will, I'm playing on doing the next episode of Tales of the Unexplained on Australian cryptids, so you'll be hearing more about the Yowie in that episode. Now, cryptids are, by their very nature, unknown to science. So there's no known evidence as to what Bigfoot may or may not eat, what sizes they may or may not grow to. In short, all we have is fragmentary, unconfirmed reports from eyewitnesses. And, well, as any law enforcement officer will tell you, eyewitnesses are notoriously unreliable when it comes to the fine details. People who claim to have seen Bigfoot do say that Bigfoot did not attack them, but that there was definite hostility in their body language, they knew better than to push their luck in, by interacting or trying to stick around. There have been unconfirmed reports of Bigfoot being able to raid tents and camping grounds for food, but I honestly don't know about that part. As to whether or not I believe the Bigfoot is out there, well, to quote Agent Mulder, I want to believe. So now for cryptid number two, El Chupacabra. Now, this creature is sometimes called the Latin American Bigfoot, but trust me, it is nothing like the Sasquatch. El chupacabra literally translates to the goat sucker in Spanish, from the word chupar, meaning to suck, and the noun cabra, meaning goat, which is a reference to how it hunts. On a side note, the popular lollipop brand Chupa Chups translates from Spanish into English as sucky sucks. I'll be doing uh, talking more about those in an episode of Random Fact Dumps, so stay tuned for that. Now, as the name suggests, El chupacabra's preferred prey is livestock, especially goats and it feeds on them like a vampire, sucking blood to gain sustenance. Now, the legend of El Chupacabra started in Puerto Rico, but there have since been sightings all over Latin America, the southwestern region of the U.S., and even in October or in December 2018, there were even numerous reports of Chupacabra sightings and activities in Manipur, India. Now, there are a few different descriptions of chupacabras depending on which rough geographical region the sighting is made in. For instance, the majority of the sightings made in Central and South America and Puerto Rico depict the chupacabra as a reptile-like creature with glowing blood-red eyes, leathery or scaly greenish-gray skin, and sharp spines or quills running down its back. 
These reports claim that it stands between 3 and 4 feet, roughly about 90 centimeters to 120 centimeters in height, and that it stands and hops in a similar manner to a kangaroo. The other main type of depictions, from sightings made mainly in the southwestern US and northern Mexico, claim that El Chupacabra is instead more akin to a strange breed of wild dog. These sightings depict the creature as being mostly hairless, with a pronounced spinal ridge, and with unusually pronounced eye sockets, fangs, and claws, although the glowing red eyes are also present. Now, unlike normal predators, El Chupacabra is said to completely drain its prey of all blood and sometimes organs as well, but leave the rest of the musculature intact. Now, these drainage points are usually through three holes in the shape of a downward-pointing triangle, although injuries with just one or two holes have also been reported. Now, like I said earlier, cryptids are by their very nature unknown to science, and the scientific community doesn't know if Chupacabra actually does exist or not. But Barry O'Connor, a, bio- a biologist from the University of Michigan, put forward a theory in late October 2010 that the chupacabras sighted in the USA and northern Mexico are actually coyotes infected with a parasitic mite known as scabies. Now, while I'm not saying one way or the other is correct, I will say this, the scabies theory does actually hold up to scrutiny. Coyotes infected with scabies will be left with little fur, thickened skin, and a very rank odor. In addition, these coyotes will be preying on livestock because they would be, and I'm quoting him here, greatly weakened, so they'd ha- they're going to have a hard time hunting, so they may be forced into attacking livestock because it's easier than running down a rabbit or a deer, end quote. As for the part where not all the carcass of li- deceased livestock is eaten, well, coyotes and dogs have the ability to kill but not eat their prey, although this is mainly due to be either being inexperienced in hunting or due to injury or difficulty in killing the prey. In these cases, the prey can survive the initial attack from the predator and die afterwards from internal bleeding or circulatory shock. The two holes in the neck would be because the most mammalian land predators go, tend to go for the neck when hunting their prey. Our final cryptid for today is perhaps the most famous cryptid on the planet, the Loch Ness Monster. Loch Ness Monster is a cryptid that is said to reside in Loch Ness in the Highlands of Scotland. Now, Nessie was actually the cryptid that uh, sparked off my interest in cryptozoology, and I've been itching to tell you all about it for ages. Okay, facts dahi focus. So, what does Nessie actually look like? Well, for one thing you need to wrap your head around about Nessie is that from the mo- every single report we've had only describes part of the creature's body, as Nessie is located, obviously, in Loch Ness. And Loch Ness has an extremely high content of peat in its waters, Peat is a form of uh, compressed earth and plant matter. It's commonly used in the brewing whiskey, and it's very common in Ireland and Scotland. It gives off a really good smoky flavor to a drink, and it also means that if it's added to water, the sediment makes visibility nearly impossible. As it is, with Loch Ness having such a high contact in peat in its waters, this makes visibility of underwater objects from above the surface of the water extremely difficult. Now, those body parts that are mentioned in the descriptions describe Nessie as having a hump or possibly humps, a long neck, and possibly a tail. The head, if it's seen, is said to be somewhat horse-like in appearance, but with sharp, pointed teeth. Now, to me, this sounds suspiciously like a description of a plesiosaur, which is a marine reptile that lived in the Jurassic and Cretaceous Oceans. 
Now, the first recorded sighting of Nessie was reportedly made by the Irish monk St. Columba in the year 565 Common Era, or AD, if you're using the old term. Now, according to Adam Nunn, in the, com- the chronicler who wrote down the story roughly a century after the events are said to have occurred, St. Columba was staying in the lands of the Picts with his companions when he encountered local residents burying a man in- by the river Ness. They explained that the man was swimming in the river when he was attacked by a so-called water beast that mauled and dragged him underwater despite their attempts to rescue him by boat. Columbus sent a follower, and I'm probably going to butcher this because I can't speak Scots uh, Gaelic, Luina Mokumin, to swim across the river. The beast approached him, but Columba apparently made the sign of the cross and said, and I'm quoting the chronicle directly here, go no further, do not touch the man, go back at once, end quote. The creature stopped as if it had been pulled back by ropes, according to the chronicle, and fled. Now that was in 565 CE, and since then, Radio silence until October of either 1871 or 1872. A guy called Mr. McKenzie, D. McKenzie, for his full name, we don't, I don't know the first name, of the town of Balnain, and he re- reportedly saw an object resembling a log or an upturned boat, quote, wriggling and churning up the water, end quote, moving slowly at first before disappearing at a faster speed. Now, admittedly, this account didn't get published until 1934, but it still remains the earliest known account of Nessie after the St. Columbus sighting. Now, since then, there have been a truly staggering amount of claimed sightings, with some of the most notable being the George Spicer sighting in 1933, which reignited the modern world's interest in Nessie, the Arthur Grant sighting of 1934, where Grant claimed that he nearly hit Nessie with his motorbike while approaching Albrechen near the northeastern end of the loch. Grant, being a veterinary student, described it as looking something like a cross between an otter and a plesiosaur, and the Rival 3 sonar readings in 1954. With a fishing boat, Rival 3 it took sonar readings of the loch, which showed a large movement object keeping pace with a vehicle at a depth of 146 meters, roughly 439 feet. This object was detected for 800 meters, 2,600 feet, before contact was lost. But for my money, the account, I believe, is a so-called Holmes video. Story goes that on 26th of May 2007, lab technician Gordon Holmes, at the time age 55, videotaped what he said was, and I'm quoting him here directly here, this little jet black thing about 14 meters, side note, that's about 46 feet, in side note, long, moving fairly fast in the water, end quote. Adrian Schein, a marine biologist at the Loch Ness 2000 Center in Drumnadrochit, described the footage as among, quote, the best he had ever seen, end quote. Schein did go on to say in an interview, or suggest rather in a later interview, that the footage was potentially an otter, seal, or water bird, but I'm not so sure that he didn't overthink and start to doubt himself. For the record, I firmly believe that there is something strange in Loch Ness, but whether or not it's a plesiosaur or something else, well, jury's still out on that part. Anyway, that's all for today, folks. Thanks for listening to The Raven's Grove. I've been Dahi. You've been awesome. I'll talk to you in the next episode. See ya.